Hello everyone, I'm Professor Margaret Rogers Van Coots. Actually everybody calls me Dr. Margaret and you're listening to Journey into an Unknown World. Actually what I'd like to do today is to talk to you about um, my life's experiences in a variety of different ways and I'm hoping that you will in some way align with what I'm saying within your own life. So this is not really about me so much as as you listen to my stories find yourself saying what well, that happened to me or I had a similar event and I'm feeling that there's at least someone else in this world that's listening to me. So let me talk a little bit here about why I've written so many books. Over my life there were different events, circumstances that stimulated me to want to write but in my early years as a medium I often thought that I was not good enough to write a book and I'm sure some of you listening have ideas going round and round and you're thinking well you know I'd love to but so here I'm saying is use me as a model and recognize that I started in the same way feeling very insecure about writing but what I learned as I started to produce books was that my psyche and my ability as a medium was so powerful for me that when I sat down to write it wasn't really Margaret writing but we were writing the oneness was writing through me and I want to encourage you to realize that even if you want to write a children's silly little story or you want to write a western novel or a you know who done it it's all about asking the oneness to help you work in writing in order to bring some body of work out that will eventually lead you more and more to writing and achieving your goals. So over the years I wrote my first book The Way to Oneness which was very dry and, and very much channeled from the oneness writing it in longhand on my bed until I then could get hold of a so-called first computer typewriter and write it in to that machine and get a printed manuscript up and then travel to Germany where a person who was psychic was waiting for me and then took that manuscript, translated it into German and then made sure that it went into East Berlin when the wall came down so that all those people who'd been denied awareness in many ways were able to learn about the oneness. What a prize I was given and yet when I wrote that book I felt that I was going to be writing nonsense. But no I wasn't because 12,000 people bought a copy of that book in East Berlin within a week they told me a year and a half later after it had happened so you see we don't always know what the seed we sow is really sharing with so many people beyond our tiny little minds 
how many people for example have you just chatted with while waiting in line wanting to just pass time give a little bit of knowledge a little bit of information that you happen to have in common with the person you're chatting with little do you think that that person will take that little bit of news and share it with maybe their kids mother father guy down the street who will in turn share it with someone else so my point here is to say that no matter how little your books may sell there is someone who's read it and someone who is sharing some of the words that you've spelled in there loud and clearly for them to take home into their heart into their soul and never forget what you wrote to be a good writer is to be able to hold the person's attention well I have to admit that I never thought about that that was something my teachers taught me in school and was equally told at the same time that I didn't have an ounce of imagination and therefore couldn't ever be a writer and I believed it well thanks to that teacher it held me back a while but once I found out that I could write it was inevitable that having written one book I was going to write more so the next thing that I was looking at in my life was rejection after all I sent this book The Way to Oneness to many many American British publishers only to get back their usual no letters and a little note on the bottom saying it's so fascinating what you wrote can I please keep the manuscript I can tell you I gave away a lot of manuscripts but it didn't really matter to me I just wanted people to know that the oneness was with us always and that it was there in the beginning as it begins in that book in the beginning was the word just the same as the Bible so when I came to write my second book The Rejection Syndrome I was looking at all the times of my life I'd been rejected and as I started to write that book I integrated that thought of rejection with the soul coding that I talked about in The Way to Oneness and as a result of that book which sold quite well in English the next thing I needed was to write something about the value of life and in those days people were saying a baby in the womb should never be aborted so I wrote pro-life, pro-choice, pro-spirit having had miscarriages and an abortion myself I was fully aware of everything that was going on with myself through my spirit eyes and my spirit guides I learned that the spirit of a baby does not enter until the quickening before that the spirit to be in that body is observing watching and waiting to see the mother's choice it is a mother's life form that grows and develops the baby within the womb and until the quickening there's no one living in it only her life force her energy and so 
if an early abortion is had, then there is no pain or suffering. Now, let's go into the overview. What if a woman gets pregnant and gets to six or seven months and loses the baby? What would happen then? Why didn't the spirit stay? And what happens when a mother goes to full term, only to find out that she's going to die and the baby's going to live? All these things were discussed in Pro-Life, Pro-Choice, Pro-Spirit. From a spiritual point of view, I wrote that book very quickly with spirit guides just pushing me to finish it. Over the years, that sold quite a lot of books too. So those were my primary jump into what I call the world of writing. And by then, we'd started to have blogging on the computer, not very good stuff, but more and more social networks were coming up. And so by the time I'd got through to the early 95, shall we say, I was hooked in writing. And since then, I've gone on to write many other books. But the one I want to talk to you mostly about today is the book that my publisher asked me to write. But you see, the one thing I'd written in all my books was my stories here and there, which confirmed whatever I was writing about in the nature of the book and the type of thing I was talking about. For example, in a healing book, Breakthrough Therapies, Crystal Acupuncture and Terogram Therapy, I was talking about the illnesses I'd been through and how I'd got myself better with my crystal therapies. But there wasn't anything about Margaret, the personality and the character and the things I was going through. So he asked me to write a book that would tie all my books together. And so I sat down to write and I thought, gosh, where do I begin? Well, of course, the beginning of my life. And so I wrote the parts that I thought would be most interesting for people to read, parts that were markers in my life that allowed me to actually explore new avenues, go in different directions, not get stuck in the mud like so many people around me were doing in those days. So let me take you back on a journey, a back in time to the year 1942, when the whole world was at war. We had everyone fighting the Germans, and then we had the Americans fighting the Japanese. What a terrible time for everyone. And on the 24th of June, Midsummer's Day, in the early hours of the morning, this little baby, to be called Margaret Patricia Poxon, was born. And as they were cutting my cord, that's the nurses and doctors, midwives, a V-1 bomb dropped across the street and wiped out shops and families and a lot of apartment buildings. It was a massive explosion. I don't remember it. My mother told me years later 
that when the explosion had killed so many and maimed so many, the hospital had to send a lot of inpatients home. But because she just birthed me and she was a cripple, they kept her. But after everything was over and done, they'd heard a baby had been born and they came to hold me. And apparently they went from shaking to a stillness and inner peace. Well, that sounds nice, but what I want to really say is every baby is born with inner peace that once somewhere in your life you had inner peace as a suckling baby and you were content. Now, most of us can't really remember that. I don't. My first next memory was of seeing an alien child at the foot of my bed and talking to him. And my mother also saw that child late at night in the darkness. What we didn't know in those days was that that was actually an alien, a small grey. And they are able to give you thoughts so that you believe what you see. And the thought was, this was a little boy in a blue dressing gown. To me, I was having a vision, but I didn't understand the word vision. I hadn't learned that yet. So it was something normal for me to see. You see, in the early years, our spirit self is very much aware of our spirit consciousness. So, hey, my spirit seeing an entity, and it's okay. I wasn't afraid, so I could talk. I don't remember what was said, but I do know that that energy was very strong and powerful for me. Powerful enough to not let me to forget it. And then another powerful event happened soon afterwards when a V2 bomb in the middle of the night again dropped across the road wiping out more shops and more families. And I remember that one well. I remember being shocked out of body and crying while looking down thinking there's a child crying as an adult would and they're returning to my body to smell the fumes of burning to see the glimmers of flames yet again I had escaped death but at that time I had Archangel Haniel watching me looking at me I didn't know what an angel was hadn't been taught that yet hadn't gone to Sunday school and yet I knew this was a special being that was standing there to protect me. Years later, when I was about eight, I was able to climb into the rubble, hear the roar of the bomb exploding, and see that very same angel with a man, woman and child just looking at me. And I just knew that they died, that I could live. And that took me back to the first time how many people died then that I could live and so at this very young age with many other events that were to follow I was conditioned if you like set up if you like another way of looking at it 
to stay on my pathway as a healer and give to the world all that I would learn as I evolved, which accounts for the many other books that I went on to write, including expanding The Way to One is to today's version of Journey into an Unknown World, The Way to One is Revisited, where I have kept the old text, indented, but embellished it with my stories, my life, and my experiences. But moving on, I want you to understand that you too will see in many people rejection. That they will look at you and listen to what you say and then go, hmm, and walk away. Or they may turn around and tell you you're an idiot. That you'll never amount to anything. And I want to say to you here and now, if I hadn't have had so many rejections throughout the first 20 years of my life, I would never have ever written the rejection syndrome 10 years later. So what I want you to understand is that every part of happenings to you is valuable information that you can share with other people who have no part of themselves in awareness about why they are being treated badly in some way. Well, we can move into church, synagogue, different religions, and we can talk about the cruelty to a new unborn baby and all these issues that I looked at when I wrote Pro-Life, Pro-Choice, Pro-Spirit and found that there wasn't one argument that we had here on this planet that was justified. Since from a spiritual point of view, anything and everything that happens is valid proof that everyone involved is either demonstrating their skills in helping with the issue or destroying and disrupting in testing people to know that they do know what they're doing. So the ultimate thing is the rejection syndrome provides us with an awakening of the value of each life. I want to move forward here and say to you, when we look at people like Tesla, Einstein, there is always an amazement on the faces of those of us who are not thinking the way they're thinking. Recently, I had a golden opportunity to go out into the desert and look up at the night sky through night goggles. Wow, what did I see? I saw trillions and trillions and billions of trillions and trillions of however many you want to call it, of little green spots up there with hardly a space between them and then I laughed because I had seen that very same thing not in my head as looking to the heavens but in looking at someone's body looking at how the energies of the five bodies making up the aura integrate causing 
little explosions causing new cell growth causing diametric opposing energies throughout the five bodies so that the body will rejuvenate and revitalize while letting go of old mindsets, old emotions and embracing new awarenesses of new ways to perform in this world. And as a result of that and the understanding of the rejection, I decided to write my research into crystal acupuncture and pterogram therapy which led me to teach many people in Japan some 20,000 people in over 20 years and during that time I evolved I evolved in so many ways as a medium as a healer as a lecturer teacher and of course as an author But while all this was going on and writing more books, there was something going on within me. A growing sense of my contacts, not only with my spirit guides, who are ascended masters like Jesus, Siddhartha Buddha, Melchizedek and such places. In time, I had memories. Memories of talking with these people in physical form. I also had memories of the Greeks and the Romans and their gods and thought about them in great detail and at the same time more memories about my alien encounters. Those little itty bits of pieces of memories were slowly coming together and there were times when I thought did the greys put the spirit guides in my head that I'm talking to Siddhartha Buddha or Jesus but my soul or my heart said no that was my psychic self that was my true spirit self but when I asked about the Greek and Roman gods I felt who were they and immediately found myself attached to the memories of ancient aliens who had lived in this world long before the greys ever appeared here. People who were tall, human-like, eight foot so, scientists who were able to cool this planet down, stock it with life, come and go throughout great journeys in short times because they had mastered the ability to ride on the waves of light created by sound. And today, as a result of those awarenesses, I began to understand that I had been taught by the aliens to know how to understand and work on the body of an individual to transform as much energy as is humanly possible when a person is in surrender mode. There have been times when people have come to me and said, heal me, heal me, please. I desperately need it. And I can see that they desperately need to be ill and go from healer to healer to get more and more attention to try and get back to that moment of inner peace 
in the early hours of a birth, in the first time of being alive. But how does one know what that time was like if one doesn't remember it? Everything about our life is planned before we ever come here. We watch five, seven or more generations go before us, preparing the way for our arrival. During that time we watch over them, try and make sure they get all that they need, learn from them, integrate with them, spirit to spirit, soul to soul. And as our time moves into our appearance on this planet, we awaken into embodiment with all those ancestors, memories, skills, experiences within the DNA. And going back in time to those times that I recall where I was not of this planet, but coming from another planet in a cosmos area called Arcturian solar system, we brought to this planet life and we created life and here today many of us incarnate here because what we create we must experience that is the rule of the oneness for all that is God must be experienced and since God has manifested all things through its own energy ultimately each fragment of that energy must experience the oneness and must experience it in form. So this brings me to telling you that don't be surprised in the coming years as the children are born more and more that their talents are awe-inspiring since they are unlocking some of the DNA of ancestors in the feelings and the thoughts now here's another little bit for you to think about. How do we know the future? Have we seen it before? And the answer is yes. We've incarnated years ahead. For example, some of us have incarnated in 4,000 and something, and we look back at 2006 and go, uh-huh, that was when they had a big energy move into the shift of consciousness to know that the spirit energy was important. In 2000 years from now we'll know exactly how important our spiritual energy is. But whether or not we use it well is all defined on how we work on it now. Like everything it takes time you have time on your hands now because many of the planets are retrograde which means they seem to be going backwards in the sky but what it actually is doing is causing us to slow down in our energy we are reassessing who we are we are looking back at what was and saying it's out of date it doesn't function productively why would I want to use a computer from the 1980s when I can go to the store and buy one made today that is so fast that the old one is just trash? 
sewing the same way, why would I want to run a country under the old rules that worked in a time when it was just beginning? Why would I not want to amend those rules and make some better ones where everyone is provided for, where everyone is integrated into the plan of making this planet beautiful? And by beautiful we mean in harmony, in balance. At this time we are in destruction. And destruction is a very important part of the transition that we're moving through. And each one of us is going through a transition, whether that is to leave this planet and ascend into the oneness to be a helper later, or whether it is to go out and do something destructive so that everyone looks at you and says, how could you do that? And immediately says, I appreciate what is better. I'm going on to do something better. I don't want to know you. You're destructive. How much of your time is spent looking at your destructive nature where you kill off your thoughts by saying, I can't do this. I'm not ready. Coming back to my writing, I'm not ready. Today, writing is a joy. I have novels and things I have not worked on for years that I'm planning to have my pleasures in writing again. And, of course, in my work, I transform. So coming back to my last book, My Journey into the Oneness, you might want to read that book and see all the twists and turns of my life that brought me to this point today in sharing with you, hopefully, the understanding that you can transform your life and do absolutely anything you want to do and know that it has a place in our society even if it's disruptive because sometimes we need people to be disruptive in order to remind us to be creative and inventive and to improve our society. And on this little note, my little talk without any pitching whatsoever has been here for you and I'd love to have feedback from anyone who has listened to this show. Write to me dr margaret rvc at gmail dot com. Thank you for listening. Bye.